Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Second show of a brand new year. Lots of chat to come over the next couple of hours. Don't forget you can always get in touch with us by text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658 or if you'd like to call in it's 1850-715-958. Now please do join us on Facebook Live for the next while and you can actually see uh, what goes on here in the studio and look at my first guest as I talk to her because let me remind you at the beginning Beginning of 2018, Lisa Dunbar and her husband Kieran decided to get rid of their smartphones and replace them with bog standard dumb phones. We spoke last spring, and now with a full year smartphone less under their belts, Lisa Dunbar is back with me on late lunch. You are very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy for New me. Year to you. you. Too. Well, you look no different. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think it's really done anything too spectacular. I feel that. much better. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just remind us again, will you, Lisa? Why did you make this decision at the beginning of 2018? Um, well, we decided to get rid of our smartphones because I think we'd spent a few years gradually trying to cut down on the amount of time that we spent online. Um, because I, um, a few years ago, I'd suffered with some physical and mental health issues, and um, particularly anxiety. And I was always really aware of the link between how long I was spending on my phone and my anxiety levels. Um, so we tried lots of different things, um, you know, trying to place restrictions on ourselves and maybe deleting apps off our phones and things like that. But nothing really kind of broke the addiction to the phones. So um, my husband as well was quite interested in um, in getting rid of his phone as well. He just felt it was just, just too much, too addicted to it. So, um, so yeah, kind of before Christmas um, 2017, then we decided just to try, just get rid of the smartphones, just go back to a dumb phone, something that would have phone uh, calls and texts on it but just no internet. That was it, nothing else as such, exactly, no other yeah, connectivity. Yeah. When you went into the shop, I'm just curious, you're a young yeah. woman and you said <laughs> I want one of those, did they look at you and think, hello, have you a temperature? Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, they still tried to, you know, sell me, not even sell me but kind of say, well, do you not realise that you could get this fabulous free smartphone with your plan and I was like, no, no, I've decided I want to pay for this dumb phone. <laughs> 
uh, and uh, and get rid of the smartphones. So yeah, they were a bit shocked and still kind of couldn't really wrap their head mm. around it. Um, you know, even trying to explain to yeah. them that I just wanted a, a dumb phone and um, and even at the time. Um, it was actually impossible to get a, a plan on my contract that didn't have some internet on it. So, I, like, I still, in my plan, I still pay to have some internet um, connectivity data, as it is. Um, but even though I don't use it, because at the time there was, um, I don't know if it's still the case, but there was no option to just have calls yes. and texts. Isn't that something else? I wonder if I anybody listening today knows it has that change. We'd be curious to find out because really you shouldn't pay when you haven't got exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Simple as that. I, I there know, should be an alternative plan really. Yes. Anyway, you start out down this road. Is there pangs of withdrawal? <laughs> Do you feel those um, symptoms? Certainly. I mean, it was a bit of an adjustment um, to begin with um because like you're just so used to even physically just the, the you know almost going to reach for your phone and find your phone and where's my phone um you know initially it was um it was a big adjustment and um I think I explained the last time I was on that uh we you know this wasn't about us giving up the internet because for both me and my husband uh, the internet is really important for our job so um but we just restricted our internet use to our office so on the computer or the tablet or whatever in the office Perfect. we would do that um, and so for the first few weeks we did notice that maybe we were spending a bit longer in the office than we used to mm. um, but then we just realised then because your our internet use was restricted to that sort of particular place sitting down at the computer and um, you just start to realise how long you're actually spending on on the internet yeah. um, because, you know, before that we'd kind of be logging in and out to the internet, you know, as you're cooking or cleaning or watching TV or whatever, um, you know, travelling or, or that, you'd be logging in and out all the time. So when it was just restricted to a block of time on the internet, we just became so aware of how long we were actually spending. The time. And then you kind of stop and think, well, like, hang on, what am I doing sitting here, you know, watching, you know, vlogs from influencers, you know, watching their glamorous lifestyles or, you know, what am I doing sitting, I've gotten drawn into reading negative comments under a news story or something yeah. like that, you know. Were you just... Facebook, Twitter, arty people, Instagram, were they all part of what you did as well on that phone from time to time? Um, yeah, like we, we would have had uh, social media yes. um, and uh, and I, like, I mean, I still have social media for mm. my business, but um, once I realised how long we were spending on the internet, it just totally changed how I used it I um I only use Facebook now for my business I so I kind of unfollowed sorry followers but unfollowed <laughs> all my friends and family um so that I don't have anything come up on my newsfeed apart yes. from my own business when I log in um and uh, the same with Instagram I mean I have an Instagram but I, I think I follow like eight people and most of those are kind of family who live abroad and just kind yeah. of keeping in touch with them for so, a purpose I understand yeah, what exactly. you're saying exactly so so you you went the whole hog here. You said, listen, this is gone for business. Yes, when we're at our fixed computers, fine. But other times, not. Did family, friends, followers you mentioned there notice you gone? Um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe they noticed it took a little bit longer for us to reply to messages. So maybe like with friends and family, if it was kind of, you know, group messages or something on Facebook or WhatsApp or something mm. like that, that it, it would take us much longer to reply. Um, and, you know, eventually they'd kind of give up and text us, <laughs> you know, to let us make sure we're, we know where to meet and when and that type of thing. Um, but... Uh, 
but yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, it's not like we fell off the face of the planet. I remember when we, like, when we first got the phones, we were meeting my um, siblings for lunch uh, that day or for dinner that evening, and uh, you know, we whipped out our phones, and my sister was kind of like, oh, "How will we contact you?" And then it kind of sunk in, and she was like, "Oh, hang on, okay, no, we can actually phone or text you. Like, mm. it's okay." <laughs> Panic's so over. the point I'm making here, Lisa, is that it's not the end of the world. It's no. the end of a particular world. But it's not the reality. It's not no. as if somebody emigrated or left us in some exactly, way yes. in a physical sense. That's what, that's what I'm getting at exactly, here. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Now, here's the thing. I have to tell them you had a little lapse, but... Hands up, we had a relapse. Had a lapse, <laughs> but there's a very good reason. Tell them why. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, we had our baby um, three months ago. Um, it's it's amazing the things you can accomplish when you're smartphone free. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening today, are you listening to the nuance of what that woman has just said, Miss Lisa Dunbar? Time on their hands, less phones, first baby arrives exactly. little Owen he's three yeah, months he's three old three months now. old so when I was packing my bag you know ready for um, the hospital we you know on our last minute things to add in we said we must remember to bring a smartphone with us so that we can get a, so you a still had a smartphone in the house exactly yeah. we kind of they're yeah. there and we can use them as like yeah. tablets kind yes. of um, in our office um, so yeah we had on our list we have to bring a smartphone because we need a photo of the child you know people are going to want to see a picture of the child um, and then so we had the smartphones in the hospital with us and then because my labour was quite slow and long we were there for a few days before mm. anything happened and so the um, we put our SIM cards from our dumb phones into our smartphones What a shock <laughs> What a shock for the dumb phone SIM I know so um, so we had internet um, on on the phones then while we were in the hospital so mainly it was just for sending group messages to people rather than ringing lots of different people it was just like look this is what's happening Okay no, so it's no baby yet. a purpose and exactly. it is a very important purpose now, here's the thing. Did you hold on to that for long <laughs> and did it take time to go away from it again? Yes, exactly. We kind of, we were home a week with baby and um, we kind of, suddenly the fog, the kind of newborn fog started to lift and we realised, hang on a second, we're still using the smartphones. Mm. And not only had we not switched back to the dumb phones, but we reverted back to using the smartphones in exactly the way we were using them before we gave them up. We were online, we were, you know, on email, social media, we were on Google, you know, how to stop a baby from crying. Mm. <laughs> All We had baby in one hand and a phone in the other. And that is exactly what I didn't want like one of the reasons I was so happy we gave up the phones when we did was because I just thought no I do not want to have a baby in one hand a phone in the other and to have my little baby looking up at me wanting to to bond and connect and you know learn to love and yes. they're not only am I not looking at them but I'm choosing to put all my time and energy and attention into a, a piece of technology you know, rather which, than your baby exactly and may I suggest this to you then because we know what addictions to alcohol to drugs to gambling that when you get away from it yeah. a lot of people say especially with alcohol they can just never go back because exactly. you know you're yeah. back fair to say that you realise there it, could be an addiction exactly, there exactly yeah and uh, no doubt in my mind that it is an addiction I, I think we knew that when we gave them up and that just sort of reinforced the fact that uh, smartphone addiction is a real addiction like any other and you know as soon as they were back in our hands we just reverted back to to using them and you know people often say have we are we kind of cured of our addiction to our smartphones and 
I, I think that demonstrated that where, you know, you can never be kind of cured. It's like anything else. Once you have it back, you'll kind of revert back to the way you were. And even, you know, we're not sort of immune to the lure of the internet in general either. I mean, mm. sometimes we still find when we're on the computer in the office, you know, you go in to check a work email and 20 minutes later, you've ended up on YouTube watching videos of cute babies falling over, you know, and you think like, how did I get here? But, you know, you have to remember that, like, willpower alone really is not enough to kind of kick a smartphone addiction or an addiction to the internet because it's like you going up against an army. I mean, there are tens of thousands of people whose job it is specifically to get you to stay longer on their mm. website, on their app, on mm. their social media site, whatever it is. So you you really don't stand a chance. Your willpower is never going to be enough for that. So, you know, in that sense, I kind of think like, you know, we'll never be cured of our addiction. Mm. And I don't think anyone ever will be. I don't think anyone's willpower will be strong but enough. But you did get rid of them and you're back to the <laughs> dumb phones once more. When yeah. you reflect on the year now, what are the negatives? Are there negatives to not having that device in the palm of your hand and doing what you um, want when you want? They're not. I wouldn't even call them negatives, really, because, you know, when I reflect on the year and I think about, well, what were the positives and negatives? I mean, there's no sort of weighing them up against each other involved because the negatives are so minuscule that they, it's no contest. I mean, the benefits of being without the phone are, you know, 100 So what are the greater. positives? Uh, the positives in general, I mean, like I said, we did it for our mental health and that's the main thing. I mean, we are just, we're calmer, we're happier, we're kind of more present in whatever it is that we're doing. We're more present, um, you know, even just things that just, we're kind of more aware, we're more kind of grateful for everything we have in our life. Um, and yeah, just, it's, it, the benefits far outweigh any, ne- the only negatives are not even negatives, like I said, but just, I mean, we take way fewer photos than we used to mm. because we don't have a camera on us all the oh, time. Oh, so that was a question I had there. You, <laughs> yeah. Do you have a camera? Um, no, well, actually, my husband is a photographer. <laughs> So do you have ironically, a camera? He, um, oh my God, that must be but, the, the dumbest question no, to go but, with the dumb phones honestly, you've ever heard. I suppose him as a photographer, <laughs> he he would take probably much fewer photos than people do okay. with their smartphones. You yes. know? So yeah. um, that's really the only thing. And occasionally, you know, we've had to ask someone for directions or something like that. You know, God forbid you'd have to actually speak to someone mm. and ask for help. Um, but, but those are massive positives that you mentioned exactly, there. Yeah, In those yeah. few words, I think you've captured so much of the benefits yeah. of not being a slave to this. Tell me about the Christmas carol singer incident that yes. happened a few weeks ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago I was in the shopping centre and there was a group of school kids singing Christmas carols and, you know, now that I'm a mum, seeing cute kids doing <laughs> cute things, I had to stop and just soak it up. And I was just surrounded by parents on phones recording the whole thing and now I like I get that it's you know maybe if there's a parent not there technology is a great thing to have to be able to record it and be able to show them later but you know one um, parent in particular in front of me was recording you know for the first five minutes and then sort of the next five minutes looking down at their phone uploading this video onto their various social medias and then you know finally put the phone away and then of course it starts pinging in their pocket because people have started to like and comment on the video that they've just uploaded to their their social media and 
I just wanted to, you know, grab them and shake them and say, you're missing it. You know, you're missing the show. You're missing the experience. You're missing the point. You know, you might as well be sitting in the coffee shop around the corner because you're watching this through a screen. You're not actually experiencing it. So, you know, what's the point of even being here? And I think like that's the type of thing we see all the time, like, you know, like in concerts and everything like that. You just see people with their phones recording it rather than just experiencing it being in the moment living it being with your children enjoying them there there. for the moment you're a born again (laughs) you're over there to them saying come here I know I know well that's what I'm trying to do now with the new year like forget you know your fad diets and things like that you know this would be something I'd really encourage people to do um, like uh, getting rid of their smartphone or at least starting to cut down on technology because you know like I've obviously changed my diet and lifestyle a lot in the last few years and this is as significant as the improvements that I got from changing my diet and and all the other things I've done as well. Isn't that a massive, uh, another massive thing to say that, you know, and we're going to go on and talk in a few moments about nutrition and health at the start of the year uh, with Lisa. But to say that, for you to make that statement is a really big one, you know, that it's such a big part of perhaps, you know, being not well physically and mentally. Yes, yes. And I think there's, you know, there's not enough research yet to know kind of the the long term effects of you know smartphone use and things like that I mean like remember they've only they haven't even really been around for even 10 years yet for most people and um, but just think about how much they've invaded our lives in that time so I think you know I heard someone recently compare smartphone use to smoking as if in 50 years time we look back and go you know what were we doing you know we all had smartphones and the horror we actually gave them to children you know what were we thinking so um yeah i think you know we don't even re- we're not even fully aware yet of the no, effects of No you are not alone in those thoughts a lot of people are pointing to this already and have heard yeah. it as well like yourself and it is a real concern and look what happened with the smoking thing and you exactly, know when you yeah. have a parallel here with this as well so much better it's been a great year you recommend Absolutely, I recommend it. I want to (laughs) shout it from the rooftops. Um, Yeah, it's definitely worth doing. And like I said, the the benefits are, you know, way outweigh any negatives. And, you know, we used to say that we couldn't do it. We used to say we needed our phones for X, Y and Z. And I would... I think it's safe to say that probably, you know, 80 or 90 percent of people who say that they need a smartphone or they have to have it for whatever work or something like that, that really when it comes down to it they really don't need it you know we mm. just we just chose to have them we wanted them and we were addicted to them so we really didn't want to give them up but uh, we have survived fine without yes. them and, and a beautiful new baby boy called Owen yes. born just three months ago as well to, uh, in the year that you've had stay with us on late lunch we're leaving you on Facebook live now hello to everybody on Facebook live you've been listening and watching Lisa Dunbar with me for the last while she's a nutrition and health coach and you've heard her story about giving up the phone for the year. We are leaving you on Facebook Live, continuing, of course, with the interview here on LMFM Radio. You can listen to us online, lmfm.ie, on the app, on the LMFM app as well. But load that app up onto your phone and you can listen to LMFM at any stage, anywhere in the world. Think about that. You can bring us with you everywhere and listen to this conversation continuing now and on Facebook and all our social media channels as well. So we'll say goodbye to Facebook Live for the moment. We're staying with Lisa Dunbar uh, here in studio and she's going to talk about nutrition and health which is our forte and field of expertise say 3rd of January everybody heading for the gyms getting reorganised <laughs> for the new year you're laughing there in the background 
Anyway, if you want to join in the conversation, the number is 086-1800-658. Have you ever given up your phone? Would you like to try it? If you want to say something, do get in touch with us, WhatsApp uh, or a text there on that number. You can call in now on 1850-715-958. Lisa Dunbar is with me on Late Lunch. She gave up the phone herself and Kieran, the husband, and they're way better for it. And she's just been telling us that on the show. No, you are. And this is what you work at. You're a nutrition and health coach. I think of the start of the year and I understand the fad diets come in. People go mad in gyms and walking and everything. And you just see it start up there, Lisa, and then, you know... (laughs) Decline exactly, and then peak again next yeah, January when exactly. we decide to do it all again. So tell me this: How should you, in your experience, tackle this time? If you say you're realistic and you want to become a little more active and you want to shed some yes. pounds or kilos or whatever, what few pointers would you give um, to people? Well, the first thing I always tell people at this time of year is just just stall the ball kind of thing because. The biggest um, challenge that I come up against in general with um, clients is this all or nothing mentality that we kind of think we're either, you know, behaving the way we kind of behave over Christmas, you know, we're indulging a lot or, you know, the only alternative to that is what most people do on the, you know, the first or second of January is to go with the complete opposite extreme. And that's that's not good. That's not healthy. Um, you know, when I went through kind of my own journey, improving my own health, one of the biggest things I learned was that health is not about, you know, starvation or deprivation or like punishing your body. Health is actually, you know, loving your body and working with your body and just realising that your body knows exactly how to be healthy and kind of give you all the things that you want, you know, weight loss or energy and good sleep and good digestion and all those things. Your body knows how to do all those things. But unfortunately, it does depend on you (laughs) to cooperate with it. Um, So, yeah, at this time of year, just that, that thing of swinging from a, a real extreme to another, that's not kind to your body. That's torture, really. And that's what most people end up doing in the first few weeks of January. And that means a negative reaction from your body exactly. to your, this. Your body's kind of, uh, you know, thrown into shock. And it's like, well, you're inflicting torture on me. Well, I'm going <laughs> to inflict it back on you and I'm going to make you tired and I'm going to make you crave all the things you've given up. And, you know, that that kind of way. So what I encourage people to do at this time of year is just... Spend the first couple of weeks in January just getting back to normal, whatever your normal was before Christmas, you know, because we all and there's nothing wrong with overindulging at Christmas, you know, but, uh, you know, you often end up eating much more and eating a lot of, you know, sweet things that you would normally eat and, you know, uh, maybe having, you know, roses for breakfast and grazing on things throughout the day and maybe drinking a lot more alcohol and things like that. So, you know, for and even for myself and and anyone that um, that I work with, I'd always say just for a week or two in January, just get back to what you were doing before and just let your body kind of okay. settle a bit. That's very good and, advice. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah I okay. Think so it's, do it's that kind of first. Sensible. Do and that first and just rather than going yeah. to another extreme. And I see it myself even back yesterday. I'm into the routine of the way I eat again. Yeah. You know, which is not that we're too mad over the Christmas or yeah. New Year, but it is. You're but right. Just having back your three meals a day and kind of routine. what you had before exactly yeah, okay. yeah so do yeah. that for the first couple of weeks now that's in terms of, of getting your eating for start yeah what about if you want to exercise a exactly bit more? yeah and I mean I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't discourage anyone from who you know who wants to become healthy at the, this time of year so kind of once you've kind of gotten back to normal and you want to start think uh, thinking about changing things and um, you know 
I always discourage people from doing any sort of fad diet or any sort of extreme diet because like we said you know the reason people uh, that, that there's a whole industry around diets in January is because they don't work and because it's the same people trying it all again the same time next year. So, uh, so you know, so in all of my work, I don't um, encourage people to kind of go on diets or kind of big kind of restricting um, certain foods or anything like that. It's just about getting back to basics. You know, there's no... Um, there's no big secret. There's no shortcut. There's no quick fix. It does just come down to eating a healthy, balanced diet and being active in your everyday life. Um, you know, and that's it's is as simple as that. And so, does that equal weight loss when you do that? Are, are you guaranteed that if you if like what goes in, you know what <laughs> yes. I mean, and then the energy you expend by movement in whatever yes. fashion, when you know add those together equals weight falling off. Exactly. If- I mean, it is kind of a, a scientific equation. I mean, we do, uh, like there there are, of course, there are a lot of other factors as well that sometimes you have to consider. But mm. ultimately, we, we put on weight because we consume more food, more energy than our body actually uses. And that's it's what simple. it comes down to. It is very, very simple. But, but I mean, you have to take into account, yes, all, you know, cravings and all that type of thing and um, take that into account. So, but that's why if you're going to make any changes, do them slowly and gradually and give your, you know, your body time to um, to adjust. But like you mentioned, exercise is the biggest thing. And I see this a lot with a lot of, um, it just so happens, a lot of my clients and um, who come to me wanting to be healthier are people who have had, you know, maybe a lifetime of a traditional diet of eating, just, you know, trying to lose weight by eating less, and but not necessarily considering the types of foods they're eating, just eating much less and not really considering exercise. And the thing is, you really like you really can't lose weight properly without exercising because by exercising you're telling your you know your body oh I need all these muscles and your body's like looking for extra energy the whole point of weight loss happens when your your body needs more energy and it'll go to your stored energy which is your fat um, but if you're not exercising, sometimes, you know, this is a very kind of simplified um, explanation, but sometimes your body can, it can go to your muscles looking for energy. But if you're doing any sort of exercise and using your muscles, then your body knows, oh, hang on, I can't use those for energy. I'll, I'll go to the fat instead, you know, and I'll lose weight. So, so exercise is critical. Exactly. Uh, you can't lose weight properly really, without, without, doing, without it. doing Okay, so I, I'm here today and maybe I haven't done something for a while. There's no good, I take it, in saying I'm going to do 5K uh, <laughs> tomorrow when you've been sedentary. Exactly, this yeah. is a, a process of a build up, isn't it? Yeah, as well? exactly. And like, don't underestimate the power of something like walking um, I mean that's what I do because I'm not like in the past I've tried gyms and I've tried running and they're just not for me so my exercise of choice is getting out walking and now I'm out with the, the buggy every day <laughs> um, pounding the pavement so and things like yoga and just stuff like that like that I do kind of as well for like relaxation so you know don't think you have to go and join a gym um, and spend money and you know especially when you're only going to go for a month and then maybe find out it doesn't suit you. So something like walking is a great, great start. And also as well, the thing is, it's not just about exercise. It's about being more active in your everyday life. And for me, that that's actually much more important than exercise, because what you kind of find now with the whole gym culture is that people spend 90 percent of their week 
sitting down either at a computer when they're at work or sitting watching TV and then they go to the gym and it's all, you know, all guns blazing, um, exercising um, excessively and then they go back to kind of being quite sedentary. And actually, like, research shows that if you if that's your um you know your only exercise and you spend the rest of your time being quite sedentary you actually don't even get all the benefits of having done that exercise because it's just too kind of restricted and too kind of excessive at one time so actually the healthiest people are the people who are active as they go about their everyday lives so even i mean things like taking stairs instead of lifts and and um, this is what we did uh, last year when we got a new car and um, we because we didn't want to get any <laughs> dinges in it when we got it we started parking it in the area in the car park you know in the shopping center or something that was you know the car parking spaces that only get used at christmas because <laughs> they're so far from the door Great and idea. we started parking there and uh, that was the reason because we had a new car and then i realized hang on a second like why why when you go into a car park are you fighting with people over the space closest to the door when it's not even raining and you know the few steps <laughs> would it would do you good to to get the little bit of fresh air the few steps uh, in so just things like that thinking about how you can get more active in your your everyday Across life. the board. Exactly. Even things like housework, when you think about it, like, you know, people used to sweep floors and hand wash clothes and hand wash dishes. And now, you know, technology does all, all those things for us. So, um, you know, that's the biggest issue with uh, our, our sedation. I think that's a brilliant suggestion at the start of the year. <laughs> Park your car somewhere, walk. Move in your job. Get up from your desk, you know, move about exactly, during the day. Yes, take well, stairs. Great, it's very therapeutic to wash a few plates in that as well. <laughs> exactly. I know in and out of the garden, I'd be rooting at things as well. You're yeah. moving all these muscles and that. So all yeah. that type of thing is good. Exactly. Yes, yes. I think ultimately that's better than, you know, trying to fit in an hour to go to the gym uh, when maybe you don't have time. Um, You know, you get way more of, you know, the other because exercise as well is not just about weight loss because there are so many other benefits to doing exercise um, yes. you know to do with your mental health as well so you know sometimes people when they think of exercise it's just about well how many you know the, the treadmill tells them how many calories okay. they've burned and that mm. but actually exercise is much more than that brilliant 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 it's a nugget you've got on late lunch this <laughs> afternoon from this wonderful woman how can they find out more about you um, well, my website is lisadunbarhealth.com and I'm on Facebook, Lisa Dunbar Health as well. Um, but Check her out. She's <laughs> great. You. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining Thank us you. and good luck with the dumb phone for 2019. Lisa Dunbar, pleasure. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Pauline's been in touch with us. She's listening to the show today in Dublin. Happy New Year to you, Pauline. She says, oh my God, it was just so lovely listening to Lisa Dunbar. She's so right. Personal contact is so important. We need much more of it. Thank you, Pauline, for that lovely comment. Now, as you know, Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital and the proposed name change is in the news. Coincidentally, a new short feature about the founder of the Medical Missionaries of Mary and subsequently the hospital, Mother Mary Martin, was released recently. Called 
called Spirit. It was produced by director of Drogheda-based NGO Development Perspectives, Bobby McCormick, who joins me now. Bobby, you're welcome to Late Lunch. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, Jerry. Happy New Year. And many happy returns to you. Now, I'll put my cards on the table for a start. I have a big interest in this woman. I made a radio documentary a few years back called Mother Mary, and I am actually <laughs> featured in this short feature, which is called Spirit. Firstly, Bobby, can I ask you, this has been on the go a while, this project. Why has it taken so long? Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, it's taken a couple of years. Um, I suppose it's for a number of reasons. We applied for funding to different uh, sources and, and unfortunately we didn't get the support that we would have liked to do something with it that was a bit bigger. Originally, we'd hoped to do something that was more like a feature-length documentary. Um, but, you know, funders just see differently, I suppose, sometimes. And, and the Irish Film Board and the BAI, they didn't really feel that the top merited the funding that we we felt it did because we think it's a really rich story. So we went ahead anyway, put our own, I suppose, resources behind as much as we could because we are a small NGO. We couldn't put an awful lot behind it. But we made a short documentary for an online audience, which is now, as you say, available. It's terrific. And I congratulate you on on what you've done. Do you feel that is there a bias out there? Is there a bias against religious orders and, you know, faith in general? I think while making the documentary, it became obvious to us as we had conversations with different people that I suppose, the, if you like, the reputation of the Catholic Church is, I would say, at an all time low. Um, and that once you begin to even talk about doing something that's in, in any way associated with any element of the Catholic Church at all, you're going to face some, I think, resistance at best. Uh, Connor Mulva puts it very well in the documentary when he says that essentially the, the reputation of the Church went from complete kind of adoration to complete revulsion and that pendulum I think is going to swing back to somewhere in the middle and it's that kind of like I suppose part of the story that we wanted to get at it wasn't really that we wanted to kind of uh, paint a positive picture we just wanted to tell the story of sisters that are involved in the medical missionaries of Mary and I do want to say, of course, you have to apply. I know the way the system works through the BAI for funding and that as well. And it's a quite intricate and complicated process, let me say. And I'll say it on air here today uh, to the BAI directly. And I'm familiar with BAI, not so much perhaps the film uh, board, but certainly it needs to be simplified and made simpler for applicants, smaller applicants as well, Bobby. Yeah. And I just want to make that I want to make that comment here today, pointed as it is. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think also I think many kind of of the funders I think would say would need to be a little bit more I suppose adventurous in their spirit. That that they're quite conservative in terms of what they fund and what they look at. So I think that there's real opportunity. There's a, a huge amount of brilliant filmmakers that are out there, not just in the northeast, but right across yes. the country. And for them to get into the industry, I think they need to have more support from funders that are willing to try new things. Now let's talk about about spirit itself and you growing up here in the northeast are well familiar with the hospital and the nuns and have a, an impression of what they did was that enhanced added to by your work on this particular feature yeah, I have to say that my, my kind of knowledge of the MMMs was, was limited and I only really realised that once we began to make the documentary. As you say, I grew up here locally, so I was very aware of what the medical missionaries Mary were involved in, but I didn't really know the scale and the depth of their involvement in healthcare, not just locally here, but around the world. And it was through the stories of the women that we talked to during the making of the documentary that that became evident. I mean, I, they are inspirational in terms of the stories that they shared. They're 
their life, you know, it's, has been so rich, I suppose, in what they've tried to do around the world. And they would say it themselves that oftentimes maybe they weren't as successful as they would have liked to have been in some cases, but they certainly gave it their all. And I think it's that part when you're when you're listening to their personal stories, it's it is quite inspiring. They were groundbreaking in what they did, first as nurses and then as doctors and physicians, because remember, they broke the mould because religious orders, women were not allowed practice as physicians or doctors. Yeah, I mean, they were ahead of their time in so many ways. They were very radical within a conservative institution. I mean, you go back to the late 1930s and then on the 40s, 50s, women's position, not just in Ireland, but in many different countries, was way more limited than it is today. So I think in many ways, they were kind of radical feminists. But but the language around that which we're familiar with today, we wouldn't have associated with them. And like you say, that they were within, if you like, in order, within an institution, that they really challenged things. They really shook things up but they were ultra professional they weren't just as you say you know sisters they're also pilots and surgeons which is you know when you think of marrying the three of those together which one of the sisters is sister Agnes Manifold was a pilot a sister and a surgeon she was one of the first flying doctors in the world and she's now in Beech Grove and you know she's there to tell her story but so few people know of the stories that exist in Beech Grove here in Drogheda. Which is the convalescent home where they go, the sisters, uh, as they advance in years and they're cared for there. And I want to tell people as well, there's a beautiful tribute to Mother Mary up there as well. I've had the privilege of uh, receiving a a personal visit to it and seeing our personal artefacts and that as well. It's it's amazing, really. But to come back to these women, they are ageing, Bobby, and, and their stories... The danger is that their stories won't be told and will be lost forever. Well, I think that that was very much part of the motivation of making the documentary, that these stories sadly will pass on. And the question really is, is that will they be shared before that happens? And and your do- radio documentary and our kind of small kind of visual documentary tries to, if you like, you know, shine a light on what they've been involved in for other generations to really kind of learn from their experiences. I, I would imagine that the younger generations of the North East wouldn't be as familiar at all about what the medical missionaries of Mary were, were involved in. And sadly, I think that once even the name is sometimes mentioned, it gets too readily associated with some more negative stories that, that rightly so exist within, if you like, the public discourse. But at the same time, there, there's a very limited view of what they've been involved in. And, and part of what we're trying to do is to educate a new generation of people about what these women were involved in. In particular, the you focus on the overseas work, and, and we, we were aware of what's here to a degree, as you say, but overseas, their impact in Africa, for example, alone, was immense, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it was huge. I mean, some of the, the sisters just tell stories from, you know, momentous events that happened from, from South Africa when, when Nelson Mandela was released, the Rwandan genocide, the Ugandan war. I mean, these women were first-hand attending to people that really needed medical care in, in desperate situations. In the doc- documentary Moral Lynch features who would have served in Angola um, and went on to do groundbreaking work within if you like maternal health but you know, some of our stories about the conflict in Angola, Pauline Dean similarly in Nigeria, I mean they, they were involved in conflict that we gladly can only kind of like read about now that they, they really kind of if you like kind of went where the need was most and and that's something that I think is, is inspiring and, and they weren't doing it necessarily for professional reasons there was a depth to what they were trying to do that that I think yeah maybe is lacking in in, in many present day efforts 
Did you get a feeling from them? Because I have to say, when I made the radio documentary, I, I, I said at the end of it, and I really felt this, I felt in a way that Mother Mary herself was guiding me as I worked, because it took a long time, like yourselves, to put it all together and eventually produce it. But the impact those women had on me, their stories, was profound. Yeah, I would have shared uh, with friends and family that exact feeling every time we would do some filming, whether it be in Beechgrove or other locations that we were doing it in. It would have had an effect on me in the short term for a couple of hours, you know, very kind of intensely, actually, that like there was something about the stories of these women and the way that they approached their work. And uh, while at the same time, I think that it was interesting how one should begin to share those stories. Sometimes you would face resistance with people. And and that constantly was the conflict that we had, if you like, that between the, the first hand experience of what it was like talking to these women and then sometimes, if you like, the the kind of uh, the experience that other people would have had that would have given them a different view and and that sometimes was was difficult for us as filmmakers to to come to a kind of an equilibrium on you know mm. and today it's worth mentioning as well that their legacy is alive and well and continues all over the world they have vibrant missions this is a thing that people maybe don't realize yeah and this is the part i suppose of the story that we didn't really get a chance to mm. tell because that's part of what we would have liked to have funded do, doing more overseas i mean you're right the, the MMMs are an active organisation that, that are, you know, growing rather than declining. But you wouldn't get that impression in Beechgrove. And so we really wanted to kind of like contrast that element by going to Tanzania and Uganda and filming a lot of what's going on there now to see the quality of what they're involved in from a primary healthcare perspective, let's say. But but as I say, sadly, we didn't get the, the funding required to do that. So what we needed to do, I suppose, was show one part of the story, but it's a much bigger story that exists. And I, and I do hope that some other funders in the, in the longer term might take up the possibility of revisiting a documentary like this with a view to finishing it, I think. Where can people watch Spirit? What's the easiest way? Tell well, them. Well, it, it's great because it's available online, so it's free. And you don't need to go to Netflix or anything <laughs> like it at all. I mean, it's on Development Perspectives' Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel as, as well. It's there, DPTV. Um, it's on our website, developmentperspectives.ie. So it's very easy for people to find and to look at. And it's short. It's only 14 minutes long. So it's not going to take up an awful lot of, of time for people. Yeah, it's well worth looking at. I, I promise you that. Uh, take those details and this will be repeated on the podcast later on as well. Uh, have a look at it and form your own impression of it. Bobby McCormick is with us. Uh, the name is Spirit. It's about the medical missionaries of Mary. We're taking a short break and we're going to talk to Bobby after the break about the plans Development Perspectives have for the new year. Bobby, of course, I mentioned Development Perspectives on a number of occasions there, which is uh, the passion of your life. I-, I know I've been in touch with you late last year to say that this coming year on Late Lunch, I'm going to focus quite a bit on environmental matters and we've heard the most recent reports before Christmas that are really worrying in terms of this little planet that we all live on. Are you people you know as concerned or is it right that we're all being told to be as concerned as we should be? I think sadly yes is the simple answer to it. We, we should be concerned. I mean, the scientific evidence is there for all of us to, to view. Um, it's a quite unanimous now within the scientific community that the, the earth is in trouble in terms of its climate. And it's quite unanimous that it's human-induced, that it's not because of other reasons. And But the, the good news part of the story is that it can be changed, is that we have a window, but that window is small. 
So most estimations would put at 11 to 12 years of minimising the impact of climate change and, and keeping it within the 1.5 degrees change. Um, that looks as if, though, it could be in trouble if other countries follow, sadly, Ireland's lead, because Ireland is one of the laggards, and that's the words of the Taoiseach, um, in relation to climate change. So yes, I do think we need to take this seriously. And it's one of the three core areas that Development Perspectives focuses on, is trying to to limit climate change and trying to encourage people to change their behaviour. And the other two are, just to mention those. So poverty and inequality. So, So those three things would be issues that we're dealing with both in Ireland and overseas. From an Irish perspective, taking the, the the climate change for start, we've seen the extremes in 2018, the, the beast from the east and what happened at that stage. Then the summer, which people love, like I don't mind a bit of sun myself, it's nice to get a nice summer, but it really was a dry, warm summer and they say they're getting warmer as the years go by. And then a lot of moisture towards the back end of the year as well. That brings it home to us. But what about where you're familiar with in other places in the world? How does it materialise? Is it similar? Well, I suppose the, the difficulty sometimes is is trying to kind of separate weather events from yes, climate. climate. So climate yeah. being the longer term trends yes. that you see over decades and, and more. So like people living in Vietnam, as an example, a country that has got a huge coastline, Vietnam would, would, would certainly be one of the countries that is, is probably going to see, see the most effects of climate change. And sadly, many of the poorest communities of the world see the effects forced because many of those would be much more vulnerable to things like food security issues um, or, or, you know, flooding of coastal areas where property would be much cheaper. So like areas of Bangladesh um, even, you know, more desert-like regions and around parts of Tanzania where I suppose there would be food failure every now and again through harvest problems. They're seeing much, much more of that. Um, so we're seeing kind of vulnerable communities the, fa- the challenges they they face, they're being exacerbated by climate change. But but that testimony has been there for decades. Mary Robinson's newest book around climate change talks about those stories, about those people that have bear witness to the extreme changes that they've seen in their own lifetime. And and that goes from, I suppose, you know, sub-Saharan Africa over to parts of Asia and right over to South America. So it's not something that's isolated to any one part of the world. And and really around the equator, we're seeing many more extreme events the whole way around the equator. And then as you go a little bit further north or south, some of those effects are a little bit lessened. And that's due to a number of different factors, both geographical and, and climate. Um, but yeah, so the people we worked with would have been telling us way before we would have noticed it here that things are changing and changing in the wrong direction. So you have climate change. Weather is then a result of that. Those extremes of weather is linked from that. Then you talk about the displacement of people, flooding and things like that, poor people around the world, which leads into one of your other uh, three tenants, the poverty end of things, mm-hmm. creating greater poverty. Is the world becoming more extreme in the extremes of wealth and poverty. Yeah, sadly, I mean, global inequality is on the rise and, and that, I suppose, leads to lots of other things. Um, but, but there's many different kind of pieces of research that has been done around this. So what you might see is that within certain countries is that inequality might be lessening. But certainly in, in around the world, you've got kind of gross inequality increasing. So now it's a case that the eight richest people in the world control the same resources as half of the planet. 
eight people versus half of the planet. That's bizarre, I would say, obscene. Um, in Ireland, inequality is not lessening. It's, it's more or less rela- remaining stable. But that's not necessarily such a good thing because we could do a lot to lessen inequality. And these are choices, whether it be poverty, inequality or climate change, there's policy choices, there's behaviour choices that we can make, but sadly we're failing to make them in a way that could bring about positive change. How can we? How can somebody listening today affect positive change in those areas? Well, I think it depends on who the person is. So I think it's very much looking at within your own realm of what you can do rather than worrying about what you can't. So if you were... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Local politician, then you'll be looking at things like uh, policy changes around carbon taxes. We do need to lessen the amount of meat that's produced in Ireland. The agricultural sector needs to take climate change much, much more seriously. Um, We need to look at our transport system. Our transport system is far too reliant on the private car. Our public transport system needs to be increased dramatically. Um, We need to stop looking at things like cycling as the enemy and cyclists as the enemy, but to encourage the population, not just for climate change reasons, but even for health reasons, which again then would lessen pressure on our public health system because there'd be less people going for things like obesity or your previous contributor was talking about health. These things join up. What can people do on a very practical basis? Well, they can plant more trees, they can eat less meat, they can take much more journeys on their bus, they can leave the car at home, they can they can make choices that's certainly reasonable and then they can look at possibilities of doing things a little bit more differently I suppose, heating in their home what about the energy that they use, where is that coming from, is it a renewable source and then on a, on a bigger scale we need to begin to look at things like solar wind and hopefully allowing people to have micro-generations so Dundalk IT for a long time have had the, the wind generator there, which has been a really great example to universities across the world. We could do more of that. So I think that there's lots of things that we could do. But again, I think it's the willingness to make those changes and not to be paralysed by thinking that your own changes won't make a difference. They will. And, and I think we need to focus on what will make a difference rather than just being paralysed by, oh, well, nothing will change. If we take that attitude, sadly, we've got 11 or 12 years and then things will be taken out of our hands completely. The the climate cycle is a complex system that will kind of get out of control. Um, We're not necessarily directly in control of it, but our contribution is big enough for us to pull back from the negative cycle that we see ourselves in. They're all brilliant suggestions and ones that I can go home and implement 
today, this very day, make changes in many of those areas as well, along with recycling and our packaging thing and cutting down on the food waste, just to add to what you said there. But here's the thing, and just as you were speaking there, it crossed my mind. Us in what we call Western society with affluence um, and what we have in terms of our lives, if we continue on, on the road we're on at this point in time, are we, in a way, saying to the people in less affluent countries and with less resources and less money that we don't care about them and that, you know, we're short-termists, we only think about ourselves in the short term and forget about the greater picture? Is that really what we're condemning those people to? And are we responsible in the West? I, I think that certainly the the huge amount of carbon that's in the atmosphere, the majority of that comes from, if you like, countries like in Europe or in America, Canada, Australia. So, yes, absolutely, that that's what we're doing. But we know that. I mean, evidentially, that's that's undeniable. Um, Ireland is one of the worst contributors in terms of, you know, capita, per capita basis on carbon. And we know that that's the case. We've got smart people uh, working in government and we've got smart people in our universities, whatever. Like, there's no doubting the evidence. But what we can question is what we do about it. Mm. Um, And we need to change that. I mean, if we continue on our current path, there won't be farming as we know it in 20 or 30 years time. It's going to change anyway. So it's a very short term attitude if we think about doing things as they currently are in a status quo manner and then hope for the best. I think we really need to change what we're doing in order to sustain agriculture into the future. Agriculture in Ireland needs to change dramatically in order for it itself to survive. If you look at even, say, some of the ridiculous kind of things that have been done around the country, around, you know, flood walls, if the sea is rising, the problem isn't necessarily that we build a two-foot wall because the sea will continue to rise. The flood wall that we're investing millions in how about changing some of the behaviours that's at the root cause of the the sea level rise? So we're constantly kind of putting our fingers in holes rather than looking at the systematic kind of causes of these problems. And and I think to go back to your point of are we kind of putting our own self-interest forced? We've been doing it for decades. That's been going on for a long, long time. If you look at even the formation of the UN, it's dominated by Europe and North America. It's not in any way representative of the world's population. There's no representative in the Security Council, the permanent members from Africa. You know, so we we talk about, you know, countries pretending they're interested in democracy. If they're really interested in democracy, then South America, Africa, Asia would get far more say in what's happening in the world. It's a sobering thought early on in the new year. Just before you leave us, um, from development perspectives point of view, 2019, what's on the horizon? What's the major thing for you? Yeah, it's going to be a really exciting year. I mean, we've so many plans in place. The the organisation is expanding with great people involved in it, many from this region. Um, One of our main programmes is the SDG Challenge. So within that programme, we're looking for 26 people very soon to take part in an eight-month programme. It's called the SDG advocate programme. We've been on your show many times, Jerry, talking about trying to recruit these people. And, and we view these kind of 26 people every year as the change makers that can bring about those changes we spoke about earlier on at a local level. We need to reach grassroots communities right across the country through GAA clubs, through sports organisations, through, you know, clergy, through church, through the whole range of, of avenues. And, and the SDG advocates is a great way of doing that. So we will be looking for 26 people to, to go in that programme 
programme. Half of them will go to Tanzania, half of them will go to Vietnam. They'll witness firsthand some of the devastating effects of climate change. They'll also see what Vietnam and Tanzania does brilliantly in terms of trying to tackle things like inequality and poverty. And hopefully those people will come back to the North East or Ireland more generally and implement change that we know works rather than just you know, any kind of action, that's that's fair enough. It can be well motivated, well intended. But we need action that's going to bring about change. And and the best way of, of doing that is to see what works elsewhere and bring it back and then try to roll it out. But to make it contextually appropriate for here. So that's that's a big one. That's that, that's really going to take up an awful lot of our time. But we've got many training courses coming up. And we've got a really good training course coming up in Cavan around storytelling and, and its connection to kind of global change more generally. And um, we're looking at food security again in Cavan. We've got a really cool programme coming up in May. So, yeah, many interesting opportunities. I would encourage our listeners just to check out development perspectives and to get involved. One of the great things, I suppose, about DP is that we're not always looking for money. Money is only a small part of the recipe that brings about change. What we're really looking for is to pe- for people to get involved. So if any of your listeners are, are you know, thinking about New Year resolutions and thinking about how can I get make a difference on any of these complex problems we'd love to hear from them and check it out on your website again yeah please developmentperspectives.ie lovely to talk to you we'll be talking during the year you're going to be part and parcel of this environmental crusade for the next 12 months on late lunch but well done again with spirit on the medical missionaries and mother mary and the best of luck for the year ahead bobby mccormick thanks a million cheers jerry thank you The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Thank you for all your messages. Keep them coming to 086-1800-658. Breed has been on to say, fascinating listening to Bobby McCormick, Jerry. But it's so expensive to make the changes. Uh, uh, we want to make change, but it does cost. And that is a valid point. I understand, Breed, as well. And something that has to be tackled as well in the whole move to change the way we live on this planet. Uh, well done, Bobby. Uh, hope uh, you will all support the rally on Sunday to retain the hospital name, says somebody else. That's happening at three o'clock on Sunday from the town centre to the hospital where a petition will be handed in. Somebody else on the other side says no problem with the work of the nuns, fantastic women, but crazy calling the hospital the name it has at the moment. This uh, texture says that it's a fairy story name, uh, and I'm delighted the name will change at last. So it shows you the diverse opinions that are out there when it comes to the name uh, conundrum with Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Now, moving on, the, on on the show this afternoon, my next guest has been studying holistic therapy for 20 years, healing, Reiki, reflexology and more, all now form part of our portfolio portfolio of skills, an aspect of which she's taking to Kolkata in India shortly to work with street children. I'm delighted to welcome Katrina Kelly to Late Lunch. Katrina, lovely to see you. Thanks very much for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome to the show this afternoon. It's just funny the way things work. You sort of tie in away with Bobby, you know what we were talking about there just Just at the end of the conversation. I'm curious, India, street children, why? Where has this come from? I suppose really... The fact that I do healing and I yes. work with people on a on a personal level. So you're trying to connect with with people on a personal level where nowadays you're running around so much, there's so much stress, there's so much everything. We forget to how to connect. So I I do I work with my healing work, that's what I do. I connect with people to help them 
heal themselves, give them the space so that they can work through stuff, whether it's a physical or emotional, because it's all connected and to um, empower them. Because a lot of the time when you're stuck, you feel disempowered, you know, you're depressed, lonely, lost. So working with healing, you're working with the holistic. So you're working with all aspects of the human body. And, and, and that really appeals to me that I could make a difference. Okay, so what you you're talking there about what you do and yeah. what your experience over yeah. the twenty years has brought to you, and then you in turn to others. Yes. You want to bring this to the streets of Calcutta now. How did that happen? Though, what's the link? Um, the link would have been because I do healing already. Um, I had heard about pranic healing, and I decided to to just look at it. And while I was doing that, I was asked. I there was a group of healers gone out there, and. They asked me, would I be interested in going? And absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a lovely thing to be able to give back to people that are really in a really bad place, like on such a deep level. And uh, I'm hoping it'll be an experience to grow me as well as help those on a, on a personal level to help them with meditation and grounding themselves and just to give them life skills. OK, that they haven't got at the moment. Yes. What is pranic healing? Pranic healing is working with the energy field on the body. We're all made up of energy. So pranic healing works on the pr- any more than Reiki or anything else. You're working on the on the energy body. OK, and when we get stressed or when we get upset, our energy body shuts down. It, it either gets blocked. Sometimes there's too much energy in an area. Sometimes there's not enough energy in an area. So the pranic healing is not invasive at all. It's hands off healing. Okay, so you're working on your energy body basically. There's no physical contact. Um, you're clearing your energy field of blockages, and then you're either you're taking if there's too much energy in an area, you're pulling it out, and if there's not enough, you're putting it back in. So you're bringing about balance. So your energy field gets blocked before your physical body shows up as an illness. So this is a precursor to somebody having a physical illness. Yes. And this is something that can lead to physical illness as yes. well. And you can do this without touching on that. You can mm-hmm. manoeuvre the energy fields in people. Yes. The energy the energy field can actually be photographed now with Carillion photography. And that shows that this energy body is actually there. And if you talk to people who might have lost a leg or a limb, they can still feel that leg at times, even though the leg is gone because Mm. the energy is still there. Mm. So with the Carillion photography, you can actually see the energy body around a person. Um, So it's it's there. So if we're working from that premise that the energy body has different levels on it and, and if you have negative thoughts, they go into negative emotions and that can create stress in the body and that then impacts on a physical level into the, into the body. So obviously language is not a barrier here. You no. can work on this with anybody because there will be a language barrier when you go out there as well. That, that doesn't matter. No, that doesn't matter at all. Okay, Absolutely. that's interesting. Why Hope Foundation? Why, why, why them children. in particular? I was uh, Children. Mm. Um, just the fact that there's the level of poverty that's out there is incomprehensible to what we have here, not taken away from people being in a bad place here. But there's over a quarter of a million people live in rough children mostly in India every night. My God, it's massive, isn't it? That's massive, like when you think about Mm. it. And they have no support whatsoever and they have no families, they have nothing. So to be able to help as many as we can 
on different levels, like the Hope Foundation works, you know, with protection and healthcare and nutrition, educating them, um, life skills and vocational training, emergency response. So it has over 60 projects running out there at the moment. So you'll be one strand or aspect of this Absolutely. in what you're doing with the other healers who are going out there. Yes. I see. Um, did you have to raise funds to, to, to go? Yes, we did. We had to raise funds. We had to raise um, €3,000. To um, And all this money is going directly to the Hope Foundation. Even the travelling expenses and everything else was done separately by ourselves. We're funding that. Yes. So the company, we're not, none of the money we've collected is actually going towards. Yes. Uh, like the €3,000 is actually going towards the children. It goes to the projects Directly. on the ground yes. in Calcutta as well. So that's really fantastic. Yeah. And then you have to look after your own travel and all that that's type of thing yes, as, as well. Have yeah. you the jabs got? I got all the jabs. I did indeed. Wasn't looking forward to them, but I did. So that is sorted. So when do you go? We're going on Tuesday. Right. So it's imminent now it's at this stage. Yeah, and how long exciting. are you going for? Uh, we're, we'll be back late the 19th or 20th. So 12 days, you could okay. say. Okay. Yeah. What? Do your family think of this and what mum is doing now? And um, well, they they're used to me doing <laughs> they? coming out with these sort of things anyway. But they've been extremely supportive, right? And, uh, yeah, they're sort of excited for me, even though they're my daughter's getting married a couple of weeks later. So she's saying, "Mummy, don't get sick. Make sure you come back." But other than that, um, yeah, they're proud of what I'm doing, and they were very supportive, collecting money and raising funds and everything else. So it was great. God, I even admire you more. God, you're going out <laughs> and a wedding imminent just a couple of weeks yeah. later. Fair juice to you, Katrina. Yeah. I really do have to say that. Do you feel you're prepared for what you're going to encounter or have Hope done anything in that area to prepare you? Well, they've given us uh, guidelines on what it may be like and, you know, to be safe at all times and there'll be a guide with us and stuff. At the end of the day, I suppose I've been lucky in the fact that I've been to Thailand and I've been to South Africa. I've seen poverty. I haven't worked with them, but I, I, I mightn't be as much of a shock as some of the others that mightn't have seen yes. it. Um, but like that, I haven't dealt with it on a human level human to human just connecting with people and children in particular and just you know it's terrible like when I was in Bangkok like I found it very hard to see children you're coming out of a beautiful shopping centre state of the art and you're walking over children that are lying on the ground on newspaper Mm. with half an apple beside them Mm. do you know and just the inequality of the world and to make a difference at the end of the day it's not about material things we connect on a human level. Yes. We're all human and we all have the same fears and hopes and dreams. And, you know, these children are just left on their own with no defences. And it must be very scary and very lonely. And, you know, so it, it, to be able to give something back on any level is is a privilege. Mm. I'm I'm very privileged to be in a position to do this. And you're really looking forward to going. I, am, I, I can yeah. see that myself at this stage. Let me head to a short break on late lunch. Isn't she great? She's heading for Kolkata uh, next week with the Hope Foundation to help children who have nothing, really nothing in the world. Katrina Kelly's with me on late lunch and when we come back I'm going to talk a bit more to her about her, her holistic, it was hard to say that, her holistic journey for the last 20 years. Katrina Kelly is from Trim in County Meath and she's with me on late lunch this afternoon. She's heading to Kolkata in India to help unfortunate children with the Hope Foundation uh, next Tuesday away for 12 days. She's a very interesting lady. I love your website, Soul to Soul. S-O-U-L, the number two, S-O-L-E. 
you know, soul and soul with the two in the middle. Clever. Thank you. Thank I really you. like it. I was in having a browse round it this morning. Tell us about this journey of yours I mentioned 20 years ago. It was something with your son prompted this, was it? Yeah, he, there was a, there was a health issue when he was a child and I was tired going to different specialists and not getting very far with them. And a friend of mine suggested reflexology and I didn't even know what it was, to be honest with you. But I went and tried it and it actually worked for him. And I was sort of going, well, if he needs it, I may as well learn how to do it. <laughs> not realising I was throwing myself into the deep end. But I, I it, it, it made such an impact on me that to realise that your emotions and your physical body can actually, you can heal yourself if you work on your emotions and, you know, work through emotional stuff instead of holding on to it. Um, and that impacts on your physical body if you don't work on it. So it was really, I had been, you know, it was really when I saw how he improved that I started to work on that. And it just, the journey followed on. One after another, other. you so I, moved along with it. I moved this. along with it. It just, it just, um, yeah. So the, the healing, so I ended up doing stress management and a bit of counselling because when people come into you, they're coming into you on a human level, on a basic level where they're distressed, they're worried, they're upset, they have physical issues. Maybe the doctor doesn't have time to listen to them and give them that space. So in providing that space for them, you're already allowing people to have the power to empower themselves because, you know, a lot of the time when you provide that space, you can work it out yourself. Mm, mm. So it's about seeing each person is different and each person reacts differently to blockages in the energy system. Um, Reflexology is a wonderful physical tool for clearing blockages in the energy field. Reiki is another healing module that I use to work on the energy field again. Um, I would have done other sorts of healing, shamanic work, um, stress management. So that's why I call it a soul to soul because it really is a holistic approach. It's not just dealing with an ailment yes. because it's connected to everything else. And the soul is the physical, S-O-L-E, and the soul is within as within well. So as you well. connect the two together. Yeah. You talk about balance a lot, yeah. balance in life. Yes. Very important. Extremely important. Yes, everything is in, in balance. Everything works there's always a balance, even in nature. There's a, a you know a growth and a, a and then there's a, a death and a rebirth. So it's about energy never stays still; it always moves. So we're always changing, we're always growing, and it's to have an awareness around that. It's to have an awareness that you know we're on a journey, and it, if you look on it that way, it makes life much easier to get through. If you realise, you know, I'm stuck at the moment. I need a little bit of help. That's fine. There's no problem. We're all in that. We've all been up stuck, you know, and it's learning how to be brave enough to take that step and ask someone and get yourself into that space where you can connect to another person on a human level that will listen to you and have the skills to help you heal yourself and move forward in your life. And to look back and then and go, what did I learn from that? How did that make me a better person or how did that influence me? And what every experience teaches you about what's for you and what's not for you. What works for you, what doesn't. So if you have a bad experience, you could look at it in a way that, you know, I've learned from that. I now know what I don't want in my life. So our thoughts really do create our reality. So it's about being creative and being aware of your thoughts because we've all got about 60,000 a day running around our head. You know? <laughs> I think you can multiply <laughs> that by three in this old head you're looking at now. The, the, the other thing besides talking about what you're talking about yeah. there, there were a couple of things I picked out from um, from you and what you do. Talk to me about this. Is it Kangen or Kangen water? Kangen water. Kangen water. Kangen water. 
as a as a healer, I work with uh, a few products that would enhance the health of people, but they're all natural products. They're all I like science, so I I go into the study the background to make sure that it makes sense to me on a scientific level that it works for me. And um, I a friend of mine about four and a half years ago said to me, "Will you try this water?" Now I gave up tea and coffee years ago and um, we're doing very little of it now altogether unless it's terrible and stuff and and do you feel better by just on that one do you yeah, feel better for that I do absolutely in what way um, I was drinking an awful of black black coffee and black tea I was getting very stressed I wasn't sleeping properly I was getting headaches when I came off that I found I felt a lot better and then you need to drink more water because most of us are dehydrated and every every illness in the body starts with dehydration in the cell. You have dehydration and then you have inflammation on every illness in the body. Okay, So to me, if your body's made up of 70% water, the quickest way to have some impact on your life would be to change the type of water that you drink. So what happened, the the Kangen water for me, um, the machine is a filter machine that changes the structure of the water. It actually fills it full of oxygen and antioxidants. Now, an antioxidant is something that keeps you young, keeps you healthy. Okay, so green tea would be a very strong um, example of an antioxidant. Well, the Kangen water on the 9.5 pH would actually give you eight times more antioxidants than a glass of green tea. So if the water is also called, it it does something to the water called microclustering, which reduces the molecular water. And makes it smaller, so it goes straight into your system. So all the oxygen and all the energy that's in the water can go straight into your system to start working and hydrate your body. Okay. And where does this? Where do you get this? This sounds like a, a miracle water I'm hearing about um, today. Do you buy it in bottled, or you mentioned some no. machine there? No. Yeah. No, it's a filter machine because the water is is better drinking straight up pure. Okay. Water. So would you take water from a well if you're connected to a well at home or a public water supply and it put it through off, this machine? You just push. You put the machine onto your tap. That's it. That's it. And it does and the it rest. And it gives you seven different types of water. Okay. And each of the waters they call it um, miracle water in Japan, and because uh, it was the Japanese that discovered it over 40 years ago. Right. Um, and so Kangen. Kangen water, yeah. Kangen water. I'm fascinated. I have to find out more about this, but I have to talk to you about something yeah. else and we'll be gone and we'll okay. be up to news at three <laughs> o'clock. Stem Renew. Yeah. What is this? That's another product that I've come across in relation to working on... Everybody has stem cells in their body. And yes. They go, they go to the area that's ill and they, the body allows it to the stem cells can change into any other cell in the body to help heal the body. So as we get older, as we get into our 20s and stress and everything else that we do to our bodies, taking in chemicals with food and plastic and everything else, the the receptors on the cell wall don't work as well in relation to the stem cells. So they can't send the signal to the stem cells for our own stem cells to kick in and go to where the healing is needed. So I've come across a natural product made with five ingredients um, with a Canadian company, American company, that actually um, reactivates your the cell walls, the stimulant on the cell walls to actually reactivate your own stem cells. So, for instance, what got me interested in it was I would have suffered with a chest. I sounded like a dog. I'd be barking like a seal, right, uh, for the past four or five years. And every time around this time of year, I'd get a very bad cough. And I mean really bad. And as the years were going along, I was on antibiotics the first couple of years. The last couple of years, I was on antibiotics and steroids. And I was on two or three because 
the day weren't working and even when I took them and it eased off a bit, I still had a cough. So I started taking the Stem Renew last Christmas and like that again, I was on it maybe, I was taking two a day and I was on it about a month or so and I got the cough, went to the doctor, got the steroids and antibiotics and walked out of the chemist and said, what am I doing? Hello, this doesn't work or I wouldn't still be doing it. So I said, I'll try the Stem Renew, I'll take more. So I ended up taking six a day and fish oil helps it go around your body faster. And I have not taken, a ste- I haven't taken an antibiotic or a steroid since. So it definitely worked for me on that level. And your voice is crystal clear and you have had none of this at all. No, it's gone. That you so, had year on year. Yeah. So from, from and, and working with clients, I've seen a lot of different um issues being cleared up with the help doing the healing and everything else and using natural products if they're required mm. they're not always required sometimes you can do the healing without anything but okay. I mean, some people need are, are lacking in certain things and you can enhance their their immune system and stuff like that so that's why i use other products now and again to enhance the healing and, and connecting to people isn't your work fascinating i love it I can see that with you. I just see your enthusiasm and your love for it and what you're discovering. You're discovering, you're learning all the time. Yes. And you're passing this on. Yes. I I ran, I taught reflexology, uh, I ran a school teaching iTech courses with another girl for three years and I loved it. Um, Just to see the progression of a person and, and them learning how to look after the body, teaching anatomy and physiology and then teaching the actual reflexology and how it works. And it was really a really... um. It's an empowering, I'm growing all the time Mm. as I'm working with these people. I'm learning. I'm not, you know, it's not just them improving, I'm improving. Lucky people in Kolkata that you come across over the next couple of weeks. Let me wish you well with the trip. We'll catch up when you come back. You've been fascinating to talk to today on the show. And I'll remind you that the website is Soul to Soul. And it's the S-O-L-E first, is it? Yes. Number two, S-O-U-L dot I.E. Check it out. Lovely to meet you on the show. Katrina, wish you well on your fascinating journey to India. Come home safe and we'll talk down the road. Thanks, Thanks very a million. much, Sherry. Thank, Thank you, you very much. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Thanks, Michael. Oh, what a game that is that's in prospect this evening in the Premier League. Manchester City against Liverpool. I'm going to settle down and watch the whole lot. Looking forward to it immensely. I think we need a Manchester City win, don't we, tonight, to keep the race for the title interesting? Wouldn't mind seeing Liverpool win it, to be honest honest with you. They've never won the Premier League. Imagine that. Who would have thought the great teams of Shankly began it all with Liverpool and then on to the likes of Kenny Dalglish and Roy Evans and people in between who won leagues for fun with them and they've never won the Premier League I don't think anybody would begrudge them bar Manchester United fans of course oh my god yes the United fans don't want to see Liverpool win the league but being a gunner I'm certainly not saying I wouldn't like them to see see Liverpool win it I would like to see them win it because I believe that it needs to go round as well and move round and City with their wealth uh, you know they all have wealth of course they have it takes money to win championships no matter where that is in soccer in the world you need lots of money to get the best players but tonight a City win would just keep it interesting let's say with Liverpool to win it at the end of the day I'm not convinced says a listener today about climate change I remember winters that lasted for months skating on the Black Bull Quarry summers when it was too warm to sleep we didn't know what was happening in the rest of the world then 
They were just places we saw in an atlas. I think weather moves in cycles. What ended the Ice Age? Only global warming. We had slides on the Dublin Road from Railway Terrace to the Railway Bridge. Maybe one car an hour. Carbon emissions zero. Yet really hot summers and long cold winters. We have so much information now, you can prove or disprove almost anything. Thanks for your comment. I really enjoy reading it there and the points you're making. And I'll just make a couple of points in reply. There's a difference, and it's been pointed out to me a couple of times, between climate change and weather, and weather trends. That's the first thing. And it's indisputable that the world, the heat of the planet, the globe, is going up and upwards. Ice caps are melting. That's a fact of life. The oceans and seas are rising gradually. That is what... uh, Climate change is really all about and the massive implications of those. And those facts are indisputable. Even by the President of the United States, no matter what he says, those are the facts and what is happening. We do need to take action. That's my uh, esteemed opinion. And when I look at everything, I honestly believe that if we don't make change, starting with each of us, then future generations are in real trouble on this little planet of ours. Thanks for all your comments. Keep them coming to 086-1800-658. It's easier to get a bag of Coke and a pint than it is to get help. Those are the words of my next guest. Owen Morris is with us in late lunch in a couple of moments. I said it a moment ago, but I do want to say it again. It's easier to get a bag of Coke and a pint than it is to get help. Those are the words of a young Meath man who's with me now on Late Lunch. I want to welcome to the show Owen Morris. Owen, good to see you. Thank you for joining me. Thanks very much, sir. Thanks for coming in to me today. That is a telling, telling statement. Where does the where do those words come from, from your perspective? Just from my own experiences, you know. I've I hang around the village a lot, you know what I mean? I'm I'm one of the lads, so to speak, like and I know from experience I look and I see it every day like that. There are lads who are struggling and I think it's easier for them maybe to just go down to the pub and instead of actually dealing with what's in their head, dealing with what they're going through, it is easier maybe to just go on the drink, forget about it for a couple of hours and wake up the next day and go to work. Do you know what I mean? How extensive a problem as this. You mentioned you live in Duleek County, Meath, and sadly in the last while there have been a lot of young men in Meath and in East Meath in particular who've taken their lives. Yeah, have committed suicide, yeah. So I I think it is like it's it's plain for everyone to see. I know in my own area I think that drugs are rampant and they are a big problem. Absolutely like. What drugs are you talking about? Well from especially especially weed and coke. But I think coke is the biggest problem now at the minute, yeah. Where did this start for you? Let's step back a bit. At what age did you start taking a drink? Uh, probably about 14 or 15, do you know what I mean? Just hanging around maybe on a Friday night or something and getting a, like a bag of cans, a few of the lads, we just hung around, do you know what I mean? We'd be out till all hours and we'd just have a drink. It would have been in the field or wherever, mm. you know what I mean? But it was just uh, it was a part of life, part of growing up, really forest-like, do you know what I mean? After a while. So it started there, somebody else would get it, you drink it, of course you're under the age, you can't go and buy, you can't go into a public house or anything like yeah, that, yeah. you're in the fields. When are when are the first drugs introduced, at what age? When do you, when did you take your first well, drug? I didn't start smoking, I started smoking weed about 16 or 17. And, and, and what does smoking weed do to you? Explain to me, because I've never smoked in my life, I've never taken anything like this in my I life. I don't know, How I do suppose it's different strokes for different folks really. Like, How did you feel? Stoned. <laughs> really tired, do you know what I mean? I don't really know how to explain it. I suppose it's just, uh, it's different for everyone, really. Mm. You know what I mean? Whether you don't like it, some people might take it the first time and they never do it again. Some people do, like... So combined with alcohol, if you smoke it and you take alcohol as well, 
You say you're stoned. What does that mean? Does that mean that you go home at whatever hour, the early morning, whatever, and you're lying in bed for the rest of you the might, day? You might be relaxed. You might, do you know what I mean? You might go in on yourself. You might go home and fall asleep. You might go home and eat a rake of food. Like, you don't know. Like, Did don't you ever know. see it make people angry or violent? Yeah, if they don't have it, maybe. Maybe if someone is in need of it and then they don't get it. Mm. Maybe someone will be contrary or in bad form afterwards, yeah. Mm. So it progresses then. Did you progress to taking coke yourself? Yeah. Yeah, it did at some stage or another. What's yeah, the difference between it. smoking weed and taking coke? Well, if you were to describe take, it, you wouldn't. You won't stay up till eight, nine o'clock in the morning smoking weed. Like that's the big difference. Like, I mean, if you're taking coke, you could be up, like you could be up all night. You could be up for a couple of days. Do you know what I mean? And it's much, much more expensive, much more addictive, much more dangerous, and especially, and you do become more violent and everything on it. Definitely, I think that is a real, real problem. So what were you doing to fund this? How do you fund this? Do you have you a job? Do you work? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I work. Local, I work in, uh, in Aldi stores. No, I want to say stuff. you're past all this yeah, now. Yeah, you're yeah. talking to me today as somebody who's got out of this and broken this cycle yeah, yeah, and is yeah. clean today. And were you working when you were doing this? Yeah, yeah. At some at some stage or another, you know, in pa- previous jobs as well. Like I was, do you know what I mean? I might have been partying, and do you know what I mean? Like you might have a day off the next day, but you might go out and you'll do it, and and you could work. Yeah. You could function. Yeah. At some stage in others, yeah. You talk about the mean? cost of it. How much would you pay for Coke? About 100 quid a gram. A gram? Yeah, yeah. And how long would a gram do you? How far would that stretch? Depends on the person, but not very long for most people. So then you need another 100 and yeah, another yeah. 100. Yeah. Do people have the money to pay to the guys who are supplying this? Uh, not all the time, no. So what do they do? They'll get it on take or whatever and it'll spiral from there. Do you know what I mean? So you build up a credit account with these suppliers. Yeah, yeah. Is it and easy? Then, is it easy to get coke today in the northeast? You're talking about the yeah, Lake area. I, I believe so. Yeah, definitely. It's readily available. Yeah, hundred percent. And are many young people reliant on it? In, from your experience, you mentioned not. I, I, I don't know reliant, maybe, but I think if you're if you're in the pub and you're drinking and it's around you, it's very hard to say no to it. Once you have kind of broken the seal and you have started taking, once it's around you, then and it's under your nose. Do you know what I mean? You will say, go on, I'll take a bit. Go on, give us a bit of that. Do you know what I mean? So if you go into a pub tonight, is it fair to say that most pubs, I'm not saying most, but not, in not certain most places, maybe, in, certain in certain areas and in you can certain get groups, it. yeah, it's it would be... And it it's would readily be available there? No, no, not all the time in the pub. I mean, you won't get yeah. it in the pub. Like, okay. Do you know what I mean? If you know someone who knows someone, mm. chances are you will get mm. some. Do you know what I mean? So what did you feel like? You know, you said it was easier to get a bag of coke and a pint than it was to get help. When did you realise you needed help? Uh, around this time last year, uh, I moved back home. I was living out on my own and I just decided, look, every time I took it, when I woke up the next day, I just felt anxious. I didn't feel like I could, do you know what I mean, be myself, kind of. I couldn't socialise without it. If I had a drink, I needed it, kind of to come out of myself a little bit do you know what I mean and it would kind of raise me up a level or two and I'd be a little bit more social with but then the next day do you know what I mean you might miss a couple of days you might sleep all day because of it and then you know what I mean you feel worse about it then you feel worse about yourself that's what I did anyway I really did and it was like it was keeping a, a big secret because you're looking at people and you haven't slept right and you're all over the place, your head is up and down, your head is like mushed and you don't want to be, mm. you know what I mean, going about your day-to-day on it. So that's what kind of broke it for me. I wanted just to step away from it and say, look, I don't want to do this anymore. 
do you do this on your own without any help? You, did your folks know about this? Did you tell uh, your dad? Is yeah, what you're here I, today? I came with them. I came forward there and said, and you said Look, I have a bit of a problem. Put your cards on the table. Yeah, yeah. And obviously and they were a huge help to you. Yeah, of course. Them? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have got through them without. What about on the medical side of things and healthcare? Was there any help there? Did you go to anybody to. No, not this time. I went a couple of years ago. I went to addiction counselling and he taught me kind of skills and coping mechanisms that I think. Eventually, I saw the signs myself again, and I decided, look, this isn't for me. And I was kind of witted enough to say, I'm going to step away from this. Like, so your family were huge in you getting out of this yeah, scenario yeah, that you were in completely. Yeah. And I think that's it. Can be sometimes for certain people, do you know what I mean? It can be they could be the hardest people to open up to. Mm. Do you know what I mean? For you to go to your mother and father yeah. and maybe they've never taken a drink or never taken a drug in their life but you come forward to them and say look I'm having a bit of trouble with this. Do you know what I mean? And you think you'd be ashamed of your life like Jesus I wouldn't want my mother knowing what I'm at the weekends or mm. whatever else. But if you need help you need help. And that's the most important thing is that you're able to stand up and say I do actually need help with this. Is that why you've told your story to try and get a message out there? Are you worried for other people of yeah, your age? yeah. A hundred percent, yeah. I'm worried for people of my own age. I'm worried for some of my best friends. Do you know what I mean? I have been over like the last year, six months, and I'm looking at them and just saying, "Come on, like you don't need it. You need to get off it. We'll all have a better time without it." And I'm, I am worried about them. Yeah, I'm worried about like everyone, the state of the country. Like, do you know mm. what I mean? I don't think it's just confined to my village. Oh, absolutely. This is an epidemic that runs from north to south. There's no border. Forget about Brexit or anything like that. It's sure. in this land. It's in Europe. It's the world. We have it everywhere. What you, you say, coming back to those words again, it's easier to get a bag of Coke and a pint than it is to get help. This help, this word help, what's needed? You've stepped back from it now. Your family were great. Every family can't sort, sort their own Yeah, not children. everyone has the same kind so, of support So what's system, needed? What yeah. do you say? What, what well, you I, I think for? that like counsellors should be really readily available. I mean, what we're trying to do in the minute, at the minute in the leak is there's a, like a drug-free programme going on. That's being pushed forward to say, like... Now, like, I'm not really... Not to say I'm not worried about people taking coke, but I'm more worried about people who are kind of suffering from depression, mental illness, and they're going to the drugs because it makes them forget, and it's a... Do you know what I mean? It'll pass the time, or it'll make them feel better for a little Mm -hmm. while. And uh, my kind of biggest worry is just getting people to come forward and talk about it. So what we're trying to do is... uh, raise money so there will be a full-time counsellor in the village which will be free to people now it'll cost a lot obviously to get it up and running but once they're there like that'll be ready readily available for people to walk up the street and it doesn't have to be drugs it doesn't have to be drink it can be any sort of problem you have do you know what i mean for, so you want nobody, a resident counsellor in the village yeah. Italy, that's available to people to deal with issues how are you going to what, what are you doing to raise the funds have you have you launched a campaign how is it happening not not just yet but you're going to talk of uh, like okay. skydives walks yes. you know okay. what I mean I'll, so you want to be one of the people spearheading this for your yeah, particular community yeah. I think I, that with the age I am yes. I think and I see a lot of the lads around my area and younger lads I have a lot of time for them you know what I mean I've known them since they were 14, 15 and now they're all that bit grown up I'm looking at them and I'm saying like why not be a bit of a role model towards them do you know what I mean if you if you need help lads like it will be there for you and I think that they should come out and seek it. Absolutely. Like, How long is it since you've taken anything? How far are you away from that at this stage? A good while now. Okay. A good while now. 
heading towards a year more? Probably less. Okay. I would say, Just like, like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I would do it in yeah. trips and drabs kind yeah. of even after I moved home. But but that's gone now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're well into this. You're heading towards the year point. Can you go now and have a point? And just have a, p- a pint or yeah. two and, and leave it at that. Yeah, no problem. Can you? No, I, I, like, I'm only a young lad. Yeah, now. you're 23, I, I, I know that. I have my fair share of drink. And, and the world's your lobster, I know what they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I, yes. I go out and I have the crack, do you yes. know what I mean? Like, why be, not? But I think especially it's knowing when to stop, you know what I mean? When the pub is closed, I'll go home. Do you know what I mean? That's me done. I'll just go home and go to bed. I always say to myself, how do you want to feel tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? Do you want to go home at maybe, do you know what I mean? It could be two, three, four o'clock, but you'll wake up the next day and you'll be functioning. Or do you want to keep it going until nine, ten, and then you're asleep all the next day and you've wasted two days out of it? So that's what kind of keeps me going. Anyway. Life that's is what? passing you by. This is what we want to say. Come on, life is for living. There's lots to be done and exactly. had and enjoyed yeah. as well. You obviously are in a much better place, Owen. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Like, I, I think... Years ago, like I had a lot, I had trouble, especially with drinking, and I was drinking because I was depressed. Like, and I don't feel like I, drink. I don't go to the pub now to be someone else. You know what I mean? I go to relax. I go to be with my friends. You know what I mean? I go to have a bit of a laugh. Like, I'm not drinking. I'm not angry. I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. You know what I mean? I'm going to enjoy myself now. And you wear all those emotions. Yeah, that you 100%. mentioned that. You were all of them. At 18, 19, 20. I think this is the most difficult age for lads when they come out of school. They might not know what direction they're going in their life and they just get pushed down a path and before you know it, you're doing nothing else but working and going to the pub. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's where a lot of people get like fall into the trap. Do you know what I mean? And there's a lot, lot more to life, we have to say. Um, so this is what you're doing. You, you, you're, you're now part and you're obviously talking to other people as well who want to make something happen in your own area. You're not waiting to look to, to the HSE or government no, or no, people like that. You want to make things happen and ourselves. And I think uh, recently in the league, we lost a good friend to all of us. He was a really, really great lad. And, uh, hang on, sorry. And just after his death, when you're seeing the community spirit, like, and the strength that people showed, you know what I mean, and the togetherness, it was, like, it was inspiring. And that's what made me come out and say, you know, if we channel this into something positive, there's nothing that we can't do. Do you know what I mean? Let me inspire you for a minute by reading some of the comments coming to us this afternoon on Late Lunch. Thank you so much. Please, please, please thank that young man for talking about this publicly. His voice will help so many people. Another comment... What a wonderful young man. You are simply fantastic, Owen. I so admire you. And so on. Those comments are coming into us there as we speak. It's it's great to see you. It really is. It really is. I I do appreciate it and it means an awful lot. But it's it's not about me. That's the thing I was asked. It's it's a wider thing. And I do appreciate the comments. But that just shows that it is such a... An epidemic, you know what I mean? It is such a horrible thing, like, and there's nobody out really that can knock it, I don't think. You know what I mean? Bar people themselves see the wood from the trees like you have, stop, make a change with the aid of their family, go and do something themselves. And, and, and put a positive spin yes. on it, do you know what I mean? Yes. Put that energy into something good that can actually make a difference, you know what I mean? We could all be looking back in 20 years' time, looking at the place going, Jesus, I remember when it was 
going to the dogs mm. and we all brought it back together and it's turned around yeah. and you are part of that movement and a catalyst for change yeah. Owen Morris have to leave it there today with you on Late Lunch thank you so much for coming yeah. in Jerry, and, for and me talking to me today on Late Lunch I really yeah. appreciate it you're brilliant you're brilliant thank, thank you, you indeed much. that's a lot on Late Lunch for this uh, Thursday afternoon thank you so much for your company today and all your comments Eddie's up next with The Drive and we're back with the final Late Lunch of the new year tomorrow Friday at half one see you then The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.